0: What's News This Week.
1: Raptors were in Chicago battling Derrick Rose and the Bulls.
0: NASA has a few projects ready for launch in the next couple of years that can change the parameters of our known universe.
1: Thursday, the Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks visited President Barack Obama.
0: Welcome to What's News This Week. I'm Zachary Camp. And I'm Nick Kenya. Today is Sunday, February 21st, 2016. And we have a great lineup for you guys today. We're going to be talking about a new website by the Toronto Police, a legal case involving Apple versus the U.S. government. And then we have a story on NASA's new progress.
1: They've got a few projects that they're launching over the next few years. Then in sports, I'm going to be looking at the NBA All-Star Weekend. It's been a week, and I'm just going to talk about the impact it had on Toronto and the game of basketball. I will have a Raptors report and a Maple Leafs report. And a story on Stephen Samkos, a uh, little news out of Tampa Bay, and Obama calling out Canada. A little hockey beef between Obama and um, Justin Trudeau.
0: Oh, no way. The, the politicians are getting into it.
1: Yeah, a little, little feisty there. All right. And then a story on Christine Sinclair and Canada's national women's soccer team.
0: <sighs> and now our first news story. The Toronto Police are launching a new website to help them solve murders dating back to 1959. Police Chief Mark Saunders announced on Wednesday a retooled site with access to details and even video surveillance on over 500 cases. The goal is to get people sharing cases over social media. Saunders spoke to the possibility that people are more willing to come forward as time goes on which would generate new leads and close the books on unsolved offenses. Some cases include murder victims whose killers have yet to face justice. Users can search a database for a variety of factors including year, victim's name, and most wanted level. Saunders went as far as to suggest that with the help of social media, offenders hiding outside Canada could be identified. The new initiative by the TPS comes just as Toronto City Council sent them a strong message to cut spending and runaway budget costs. The council passed a 2016 budget on Wednesday that spared the police a $24 million cut but adopted a motion 40 votes to one requesting immediate spending reform. In a fight with Apple over data encryption, U.S. lawmakers both Democrat and Republican are signaling a willingness to support legislation that would establish when tech companies should comply with a request to surrender customers' data. In September of 2014, Apple took the possibility of viewing a customer's data out of their hands by altering the iPhone operating system to encrypt information in a new way. The case involving one of the San Bernardino shooters is being called the legal tech battle of the decade. An iPhone belonging to a suspect the terrorist is now in the hands of the FBI, but they can't access the encrypted information. Rather than ask Apple to unlock all the data, they're asking them to alter their software. The goal is to make it possible for law enforcement agencies to guess a user's password an unlimited number of times, rather than the current 10 attempts before all user data is wiped from the phone's hard drive. In a letter to customers, Apple CEO Tim Cook defended the company's refusal to comply with the feds due to the implications that it would set for the future of technology development. Here's Tim Cook in an interview with the Wall Street Journal on the issue back in October of 2015.
2: The key sort of tenets that that are really that we feel very strongly about is that you can't have a backdoor in the software because you can't have a backdoor that's only for the good guys that any backdoor is something that bad guys can exploit. The other thing we've said is that we think encryption is a must in today's world. You know, I, I wish it didn't have to be like that, but that is what it is. You know, I mean, it's hard for companies to decide how to do that. It's hard for our government to decide how to do that. And so we feel a significant obligation to help our customers protect their information. And the only way we know how to do that is to encrypt. And so we've said that no backdoor is a must, encryption is a must. Uh, Do we uh, want our nation to be secure? Of course no one should have to decide privacy or security we should be smart enough to do both
0: high ranking u.s senators and congresspersons on intelligence committees have come out publicly in favor of encryption legislation that would create backdoors for law enforcement none have introduced a bill on the issue now i'd like to check in on the deepest corners of space we don't have a correspondent out there yet but nasa has a few projects ready for launch in the next couple of years that can change the parameters of our known universe take the w first project that's the wide field infrared survey telescope nasa announced this past week that it's ready to bring the project forward from testing to construction. You've probably heard of the Hubble Space Telescope that's been capturing images of galaxies since 1990. The WFIRST program will have the same precision, but a lens with a field of view 100 times larger. The new telescope will be launched in the mid-2020s and will also assist physicists in understanding the nature of why galaxies are moving away from one another at an exponential rate and will further the search for life on exoplanets by observing if the chemical makeup of their atmospheres have the potential to support life. NASA has been busy planning to launch two other projects in the next two years. The Transisting Exoplanet Survey Satellite will launch in 2017 to search for Earth-like planets, and the James Webb Space Telescope will launch in 2018. After a series of delays and upgrades, the James Webb Project has seen its budget increase from under $2 billion to $8 billion. Once in orbit, the James Webb Space Telescope will use sensors 100 times more powerful than Hubble and deploy mirrors with a specially designed surface that would give imperfect optics at room temperature, but mold perfectly at a much colder temperature of negative 233 degrees Celsius, where the telescope will be positioned in space. The people at Science Magazine made a great video showing how the James Webb telescope is going to launch and then unfold. It's got 18 beautiful gold coated, honeycomb looking reflector panels and a heat protection sail that's as large as a tennis court. It's all going to fold up to fit into a rocket before blasting off into space. We'll throw a link to the video in the description of the podcast if you want to check it out. And it's definitely worth the 2 minute and 20 second runtime. <sighs> So, Nick, let's take it back to Toronto. Uh, last weekend, we had the All-Star Game in this city. It was really cold. Any other Super news cold. about the All-Star Game other than that?
1: Yeah, it's been a week, uh, so it's kind of a afterthought at this point. But I really want to get into why this All-Star Game really brought a t- like great attention to the city and to Toronto and Canada. NBA stars were shining, even though it was one of the coldest weekends Uh, We've had this winter on Saturday fans were treated to a phenomenal dunk competition where we saw Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine go dunk for dunk. It was only fitting that the dunk contest was revitalized in Toronto seeing that Vince Carter left his mark as a Raptor winning it in 2000. On Sunday, the greatness continued as we saw one of the greatest players ever to play the game, Kobe Bryant, play in his final All-Star game. The West took the game in the highest scoring All-Star game ever, winning 196-173 as Russell Westbrook was named MVP and where we saw Paul George just fall one point short from tying Wilt Chamberlain's record of 42 points. Who could forget the halftime performance from Sting? Maybe he wasn't the right choice for the All-Star game, but I for one enjoyed every second of it and I was was probably one of the few who did. It was a great weekend overall for Toronto and hopefully it was good enough to attract some free agents in the offseason. Before the Toronto Raptors played their first game after the All-Star break, it was the NBA trade deadline on Thursday. Raptors GM Masai Ujuri was looking to upgrade the team but decided to stay in pat. Specifically, the Raptors were looking to add a player at the power forward position but despite their efforts, Ujuri didn't believe they were close to getting anything done, which may have been an unpopular choice among the fans. Especially after being swept by the Washington Wizards in the first round of the playoffs last year, and a Game 7 loss against the Nets a couple years earlier, the feeling was that the Raptors needed to make a deal to have more playoff success. Here's what Ujuri had to say after the 3pm deadline.
2: Yeah, you know, you're always looking to make your team better here, but it's something I look to do in the summer more. Uh, than the trade deadline, just if you are trying to build long-term, in my opinion. We, we believe we have a lot of... Uh, I hate calling players and picks, you know, assets, you know, like, but our picks are assets and I feel we could use them better. Friday night, the
1: Raptors were in Chicago battling Derrick Rose and the Bulls. The Raptors had good production out of their big three. Jonas Valanciunas earned a double-double with 25 points and 12 rebounds. Kyle Lowry had 27 points and added 8 assists, and DeMar DeRozan had 22, but it wasn't enough to beat the Bulls. Derrick Rose was back to his old MVP self, scoring 26 points, and the Bulls got a surprise from Doug McDermott, who came off the bench to score 30 points in a 116-106 over the Raptors. The Raptors will be at home later today hosting the Memphis Grizzlies and tip off is at 6. Monday night, the Maple Leafs were in Chicago to face the defending Stanley Cup champs. This was the last game of the Leafs' road trip and it couldn't end soon enough. Through 20 minutes, the Leafs were down 2-0 with goals from Brandon Mashinter and Andrew Shaw. Just one goal in the second from Blackhawks defenseman Brent Seabrook on the power play. Then in the third, Chicago exploded for 4 goals. Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane with his 34th, Tevo Teravainen and Victor Svedberg, and it's 7 nothing. Maple Leafs would finally get on the board with Mark Arcobello's third on the year, and P.A. Parenteau adding his 14th, but that's all they would get. Chicago easily took this one 7-2. Patrick Gain tore up the Leafs with a 4-point night, and the Blackhawks were killer on the power play going 4-7. for seven. Mike Babcock wasn't pleased after the game. Well, obviously, our penalty kill wasn't there good enough, and uh, we took too many penalties, so... You know, we weren't in the game basically from the start, turning the puck over right away early in the first. Uh, they were better than us. I thought we played a much better second and more of an even game, but you're down three, and then, uh, you know, they just buried us on the power play. The Maple Leafs returned home to host another original six team, the New York Rangers. Pick this one up in the third, Leafs down 2-1 to one, less than three minutes to go, and the goalie pulled. The Leafs would quickly give up the lead off a terrible play.
2: Over for the Leafs. back, pressure. Miller with a take away. Miller to The shot
1: The Rangers would add an empty net goal as the Leafs fell 4-2 to the Rangers. <sighs> Steven Stamkos is staying put for the time being. Tampa Bay Lightning GM Steve Eiserman said in a statement Monday that the team has no intention of dealing Stamkos before the February 29th trade deadline. Eiserman released this statement, quote, I have said repeatedly that it is our hope to reach an agreement with Steven on a new contract at some point, and with 27 games remaining in the season, our entire organization, Steven included, wants to focus on the playoffs." End quote. Stamkos is said to become an unrestricted free agent by the end of the season. The fact that the Lightning and Stamkos have not reached a long-term extension has fueled lots of talk about him leaving the team. <sighs> Every year, the Stanley Cup winning team visits the White House. Thursday, the Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks visited President Barack Obama. Standing beside the cup, Obama spoke about how amazing it is to have Lord Stanley with him for the day.
2: It is always fun to have the Stanley Cup here. It truly is the best trophy in sports. Um, I'll admit, I was hoping you'd give me a day with it this time around, where I could just Um, Before I was President, I just want to point out, you, the Blackhawks, had gone almost half a century without seeing this thing. Now you've got the hat trick, uh, so I think it's pretty clear the kind of luck I've brought uh, to this team. Uh, and by the way, we've got a state dinner with Canada coming up, so we may just leave it right in the middle of the room.
1: Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau didn't back down, responding later in the day. On Twitter, Trudeau had this to say, I'll come with Canada's Olympic hockey golds from, oh, how about 2002 and 2010. Canada beat the USA in Salt Lake City in 2002, ending a 50-year gold medal drought. In 2010, Sidney Crosby's golden goal in Vancouver put Canada on top again, beating the USA. During one of Canada's national soccer team's qualifying matches for the Olympics, Christine Sinclair joined some elite company. In a game against Trinidad and Tobago, Sinclair scored, making it 3-0, which happened to be her 159th goal passing USA great Mia Hamm. With the goal, Sinclair sits second overall in all-time goals below American Abby Wambach, who has 184. Canada secured their Olympic position on Friday after they picked up a 3-1 win over Costa Rica. Sinclair added to her total, scoring a goal in each half, which brought her total to 161 goals.
0: So that's what we thought was news this week. If you think someone needs to know what's news this week, share the show with them. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can tweet me at TheCampWire.
1: And I'm on Twitter as well, at Nick,
0: And the show is also on Twitter at WNTWpodcast.
1: We'll be back next week. That will be a Sunday, February 28th.
0: Thanks for listening.